0: And then he gives thanks that they love all the saints in the Spirit. And then he moves on and he begins to pray for them. And he prays that they may be rich in bearing fruit in all good works. He prays that they may grow in the knowledge of Christ. And then he prays that they may be strengthened with all power. And then these spiritual gifts of endurance, of persistence, of joy and thanksgiving. That sets the stage. And then he unfolds this cosmic vision of Christ's work of reconciliation. It's breathtaking in its all-encompassing plan. The Christ of creation is connected in in this text with the Christ of the new creation. The Christ of creation who created all things and for whom all things were created is connected uh, with the Christ of the new creation who is reconciling all things in heaven and on earth to himself. And in this letter, as with the letter to the Ephesians chapter 1, as with the letter to the Hebrews in chapter 1, we are given a taste of what the church's task is the task is to share this secret of Christ's lordship even to the powers and principalities and to tell them that Christ is reconciling all things to himself so that he might so that God might glorify himself through all things in Christ now that's our framework for this morning's chapel. It's a framework also for thinking about what a uh, a cosmic Thanksgiving worship service might look like in the renewed creation. It's a scripture that points us forward, giving us a vision of what scripture looks forward to. These New Testament letters invite you and they invite me to participate in this mission of God and actually in our own lives to try and anticipate that uh, with our good works uh, as we participate in God's grand uh, reconciling mission. This view of cosmic reconciliation and worship is something that I hope to participate in the future, but I need to make a confession Because I work here, I've signed a statement of faith, agreeing that the Bible is authoritative. That it's inspired and inerrant in all that it teaches. And yet, despite my pious confession, I have been trained, and I think I've even trained myself, not to see this. Not to see this broader reconciling work that God in Christ is up to. I virtually excluded it. And this reduction of my vision, this reduction of my hermeneutic, conveniently enables me to hide something else that I need to confess to this morning. That puts me in contradiction to our statement of faith. I have an addiction. It's an addiction to a particular substance which I abuse. It hurts me and it hurts others. I'm not proud about it. I'm addicted to oil. In particular, gasoline. I can't live without it. My car, about 1,400 litres of gasoline per year. That's the average Canadian consumption for one car. You know what that adds up to? 3.5 tons of greenhouse gas emissions. I'm told I'm not the only one at Tyndale who suffers from this addiction. I'm not sure if that's consoling or depressing. But I signed a statement saying that I believe that God is at work in creation to redeem the creation. Read it. I think all of you signed on to that as well. That Christ is reconciling the world to God, as we read here. And that I am to be, this is a quote, a steward of God's good creation. And with my life I am called to bear witness to God's dawning kingdom, in word and in deed. But let me tell you that effectively I am living a lie. My life is a contradiction. It shows and witnesses to something completely different. I know that the Apostle Paul would not be so glowing if he were to write a letter to me and to my church at this time and at this place. I've tried to take a few steps uh, in the right direction. Uh, Let me tell you my story. It was exactly one year ago this past weekend, Thanksgiving weekend. We were driving home from St. Catharines where my Extended family lives. And on the QEW, we had a, a, a car accident, and our car was totaled. Thank God no one was injured. The next day, right away, I tried phoning around. I thought we would need to replace this second vehicle. And uh, after phoning around a bit and realizing insurance money wouldn't even come close to covering the costs, I said to my wife, Maybe God is using this loss as an opportunity for us to walk the talk. We've been talking about this for a long time, creation care. But what evidence was there that we were taking it seriously? What credibility did I have coming up and saying anything on that topic? So we covenanted to experiment. and Now it's been exactly one year. And we're still doing okay. With this inspiration to try and live without that second car, I was amazed at the things that I, could, that I actually saw before my eyes. I didn't really realize it, but there's a bus stop almost in front of our house. <laughs> and with a little bit of investigation, I realized that from Stouffville, I can take the bus for $2.70 all the way to Bayview and Steels. Two transfers, but it works. I noticed that there are other Tyndale faculty and staff living in Stoweville, and be more, there, that they're more than happy to do some uh, ride-sharing every once in a while. This morning, Dr. Bob Shaughnessy brought me here, and you know what else sunk in? There's actually a bike path right in front of our house and a sidewalk, and they get me to church. They get me to the bank to the chiropractor, to no frills, to the go train, all within 15 minutes. It's amazing what you find out. Why do I tell you this? I'm still quite far from living a consistent witness. And I am in blatant contradiction to our statement, living in contradiction to our statement of faith. Yet after one year, this very physical lifestyle change has been one of the most spiritually liberating things I've done in my life. I can't believe it. And for that, I give thanks this Thanksgiving weekend. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving as well. We have much to be thankful for. I think some of you may have read in the paper a few weeks ago that Canada was ranked fourth by the UN out of 182 countries with respect to our quality of life. And we shouldn't take that for granted. We should be very thankful. But at the same time, we should not be smug. Biblically, thanksgiving for the land and its fruits is deeply connected with giving the land its Sabbath rest. We dare not fool ourselves to equate all of our stuff, like my second car, as a blessing from God much of it we desire and acquire in blissful blindness to the damage, and we are blind to the damage that it does to us and to God's good creation. This earth and its resources, as we read, belong to Christ, created by him, created for him, held together, together in him and being reconciled to him. But let me tell you a secret. By and large, we evangelicals don't give a hoot. Let me give some examples. A recent study conducted by the University of Victoria compares Canada to other industrialized countries on 25 environmental indicators. Guess where we rank out of 29 countries? Second from the bottom. I'll let you guess who's bottom. We have one of the poorest environmental records of industrialized nations. And by and large, we evangelicals don't give a hoot. We Canadians are the seventh largest per capita consumers of energy in the world. Okay, we're a cold country. But I lived in Switzerland for six years, and I can tell you, they don't take long showers. Their houses are kept pretty cold and uh, cool in the winter. They all wear sweaters. No one has a clothes dryer. You can live... uh, Well, they actually use less than half of our per capita, uh, consume less than half of the energy we do per capita. Now, how many of you were born in 1988? Raise your hand. In that year, there were 178 species on Canada's endangered species list. Today, that number has more than tripled. Tripled. Very interesting, Dr. Newfelt. fast, but actually we evangelicals don't give a hoot. Now, did you know last year we photocopied 1.5 million sheets of paper? That's a stack of paper 500 feet high. In other words, a 50-story uh, a building requiring a grove of 18 mature trees. Again, you say, that's amazing. But what does that have to do with my worship of Christ? By and large, we evangelicals. It's our privilege as Canadians, isn't it? We have a lot of trees. Per capita, we're the third largest consumer of paper in the world, five times the average. There are a lot of examples. Now, we will go to all lengths to bar preachers from our evangelical. Pulpits, if their orthodoxy on some issues, like sexuality, is even slightly suspect. But by and large, we don't ask or give a hoot about what they think or say or do with regard to creation care. My colleague Howard Snyder makes the comparison with Protestant slaveholders in the 18th and 19th century. Today we are astounded that they could not see how utterly incompatible this was with the gospel. In similar ways, I am sure the church in a generation or two will be completely astounded by our actions or inaction and how we could be so blind toward the destruction of God's good creation. My friends, it's time for evangelicals to give a hoot to care for God's creation. As we read, created by Christ, for Christ, held together in Christ, and being reconciled through, uh, to God through Christ. And at the very least, we should not stand in the way of what God is doing. We experience the spirit of, that risen, of, of the risen Christ when we are reconciled with God in Christ. We know that. We experience the spirit of the the, uh, resurrected Christ in our churches, when we become reconciled with each other, Jew and Greek, slave and master, women and men. What we're trying to emphasize today, and I think what the text does as well, is that we experience the spirit of the risen Christ when we are reconciled with the community of creation. The spirit of the risen Christ will draw us into, allow us to enter the unspeakable groaning and yearning and uh, waiting of the suffering creation if we let him. If we add our voice if we actively oppose the willful or mindless degradation of nature we'll find that this is a deeply spiritual act of hope and that in some way god is allowing that allowing us in our small actions to anticipate the resurrection of the body and the renewal of god's creation we have a choice This past year, a few of us at Tyndale began talking about creating a greener campus, and we started with a few small steps, some uh, issues around photocopying, we uh, banished water bottles from our seminary faculty meetings. But I personally was moved to act after a campus event we had last year, where we created an Uh, extraordinary amount of garbage and I was participating and I was standing in front of this overflowing garbage can I looked around me there was another student there and I saw that he was equally as disgusted and we started chatting and we thought we can't let this happen at Tyndale again This person now is the Seminary Student Council President, and next month he's going to unroll the green campus strategy, at least from the seminary side, and uh, uh, you should look forward to that. The seminary faculty has also taken a very significant step towards a greener campus uh, this summer when we created um, course resource pages on the web so that every professor can upload his or her syllabus, notes, PowerPoints, you name it, links, and do a little less photocopying. We're trying to move towards completely paperless syllabi for the winter. Now, a key person for this kind of vision to see it through uh, is and will be our campus facilities manager, Scott Ruff. And Scott Ruff totally gets it. In the next month, you'll hear from Scott and his team what they've already accomplished and what they have in uh, in mind for the year ahead. So we've barely begun, but we have begun. We'll need something like a Tyndale Campus Creation Care Council comprised of students from the UC, from the seminary, faculty, staff, administration, to gather and discuss, and begin to brainstorm sustainability issues. We will need Scott Ruff to help us do a self-audit of how we procure food for our campus consumption, uh, how we get rid of our garbage, how we recycle, and to help us set real targets that we can can reach, measurable targets. And we'll need student councils to help do campus-wide challenges and campus-wide celebrations of accomplishments. That's my dream, at least. Now, what can you do? There's many things each one of us can do, and we're not all going to do the same thing. But let me go back to the car. Every time we give the earth its Sabbath rest, you can be assured that you are in alignment with God's will for you and his will for this earth. Now, if seven of you were to commit to take a Sabbath rest one day a week from Taking your car to Tyndale, then over the course of the year, U7 would have saved 1,400 liters of gasoline and kept 3.5 tons of, of uh, greenhouse gases from going into the environment. That's significant. I don't know how much 3.5 tons but it sure is, but it sure sounds like a lot. The global average actually is two tons of greenhouse gas emissions per person per, per year. And we Canadians, just with our one car, far exceed that, let alone all the other things we do. And we should dream big. We're going to acquire a new campus in the next year or two, and we will become stewards of an important piece of the East Don River. The Regional Conservation Authority already has a watershed plan for this area, and it's part of their living city vision. It envisions a revitalized urban river flowing with life-sustaining water through regenerated natural habitats as well as human communities. When I read that, I thought, if this vision was not inspired by the book of Revelation, where the river of life flows through the new Jerusalem, then it at least could certainly benefit from the energy of an evangelical Christian university committed to stewarding some of its academic resources as well as its peace of the river as a witness to a new heaven and a new earth earth where the curse will be no more. And in a small way, we'll contribute to the biodiversity of the East Don River Basin, home to a number of endangered species of fish and plants. We'll be beginning in a small way to care for this creation. And this can become part of our evangelical witness My friends, we are on a long journey of reconciliation with the creation. We'll need to train and nourish Christian poets and artists to sing new songs, to inspire us with new dreams, and to help us to see all that is good and beautiful. These artists will become the prophets of the new Jerusalem. We will need Christian philosophers and ethicists to ask the big questions about the nature of reality, and to challenge those worldviews and ideologies which denigrate the earth and reduce it to mere material. They will be evangelists of justice for the earth and all its peoples. We will need to train historians to help us understand how we came to this unsustainable way of life and help us identify the roots of our neglect and our hostility towards the earth and its creatures. They will be Agents of memory for the church, our storytellers, helping us to uncover perhaps long-forgotten historical models that might reorient orientate us and to re-inspire us in the way forward. We will need to train Christian educators who will inspire children to love and protect this earth, its creatures, and all that God has proclaimed to be good. They will challenge every voice that is determined to deform these children into mere consumers and passive citizens. We will need to train Christian business people who are faithful stewards of the finite natural resources that God has entrusted to our generation. Christian business people who are pioneers of practices that are environmentally sustainable and which enable life to flourish at home and abroad for the next generation and for the glory of God. We will need to embrace uh, to train pastors who embrace the full gospel to be fully evangelical. So in short, on the journey that lies immediately before us, we will need a Christian university and seminary with people who are willing to ask Lord, what will you have me see? And what should I do? My friends, maybe God has put you here for just a time as this. Now, maybe you, like me, would rather pretend not to see all of this mess around us. But maybe, maybe you have been given a gift For just a time like this. A gift that only you can give. And now may the God who is reconciling all things in heaven and on earth to himself in Jesus Christ our Lord. Strengthen you with the power from above. So that you might become an agent of reconciliation. May he grant you the gifts of endurance, patience, joy and thanksgiving as you lay aside all that which weighs you down so that you may run the race that is before you looking to Jesus Christ, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Amen.